uh, I would uh, I'd like to take uh, I'd like to take for a scripture reading this morning. Uh, I'd like to take it out of the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter five. Um, this is the uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and we had dipped into the Sermon on the Mount in a couple uh, Mount a couple uh, weeks ago. Um, but I would like to uh, I'd like to get back into uh, the Sermon on the Mount for just a little while today, and um, and and, and I'll give you kind of some of the the thoughts that that surround um, you know kind of where the the Lord is kind of leading me this morning. Um, you know, as Christians, we uh, we live life. Uh, we're, we're we're expected to live life by the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And uh, but that's not always the case, is it? Uh, and as as a matter of fact, in the world today, uh, and really it always has been, uh, that's 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 been the expectation for the people of God, um, but oftentimes doesn't get reciprocated. And uh, and so that's that is a, a normal uh, expectation. That is something that we should expect that it, to happen in this world. And so uh, I'd like to take for a title this morning, Lord, how long? Lord, how long? And now I'm not going to take my title uh, from the text we're going to read. We'll get there. Um, but let's start in the 38th verse of the fifth chapter of Matthew. You've heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye, uh, that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn, t- turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give him, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And I'd like to stop right there. And uh, and that's a that is a. Uh, that's a big ask, isn't it? There in that last verse, when uh, when we read uh, that verse of scripture, there, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, in, which is also in heaven, is perfect. I, I think a lot of times, uh, and, and I would rather start back here on the back half of this uh, section of scripture, and then we'll work our way back to the beginning. Um, but that's a big ask. Is 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 where Jesus says. 
that this is the standard that I expect you to live your life by. And that is that you are, uh, that you behave perfectly. Right? Uh, he says, be ye therefore perfect and, and compares it to God, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now the problem is, the problem is, when most of us think of perfect, we don't think necessarily, we don't think necessarily, our, our mind goes to something that really honestly is unattainable, doesn't it? It goes to something that's wholly complete, something that uh, something that is completely consummated, something something that is just in every way, shape, and form higher than we could ever attain to. That's what we generally uh, think of uh, when we hear the word perfect. It means it's flawless, doesn't it? Flawless. A lot of times when people look at a newborn baby, they'll, they'll say, it's just perfect. It's just perfect, right? But that's not what he's saying here. We don't have the ability to be perfect, do we? Even after we're saved, we don't have the ability to be perfect in, in every way like God is perfect. I mean, and I mean in totality. Now we stand before God uh, as somebody who's been saved, uh, having been judicially pardoned, right? Um, through the, the by having the blood of Christ applied to our uh, to our heart uh, by the by the Holy Ghost, it cleanses us and it washes us uh, uh, as white as snow. And, and so we stand before God in a judicial sense, innocent. And in a sense, we stand before him perfect. But that's not what Christ is addressing here. Christ is addressing how we address fellow man, isn't he? And so what he's talking about when he's referring to this perfectness that he's, uh, uh, that he's illustrating here is, is one that when the way that we deal with others, uh, that we will deal with them in the same manner that God does. And so the, the the point that he makes here is that he says to uh, he says to those there present at the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus, uh, and he uses this, and he says in the ver in the forty fifth verse, he says that ye may be the children of your Father. Now, how is it that they're going to be the children of their Father, the, which is in heaven? And this is the uh, this is the illustration. He's going to use the providence of God as an illustration of how we should deal with fellow man, uh, and not just uh, those that we agree with, but moreover, especially those that we disagree with, and those that we would probably consider to be our enemy and not our friend, uh, or those that would not be a, a brother or a sister in the Lord, but, but would uh, advocate against the things that we would advocate against. Here's what he says that you do. He says, For God maketh this sun to rise on the evil and on the good. Uh, in other words, uh, and, and, and to, go, to continue on, and he sendeth his rain on the just and on the unjust. And, and so while we're here in the world, God sends his providence down on both the sinners and the saints, doesn't he? Now, I know that after we get saved, we like to call ourselves, uh, we refer to ourselves 
as sinners saved by grace, and, and that is a true statement. Uh, but I think that's just the definition of what a saint is, because a saint is a sinner that's been saved by grace, because by, by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And, and so we look at this and we say, okay, this is the expectation for that perfectness. And, and he goes a little further in this illustration of this perfectness when he touches in the 46th and the 47th verse where he says that if you only love those that love you, you really haven't loved anybody, have you? Because there's no, there's no price to be paid for that love. Now Jesus, he loved us and he said, you are my friends, but he paid a big price, didn't he? He paid a big price for the love that he showed toward us. It cost him his life there on Calvary. It cost him his life. And, and if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, uh, that's what you got to come to the understanding of, is that God uh, in the flesh, being Jesus Christ, suffered and died uh, that you might have life uh, everlasting. Uh, and uh, and so here we see this. And, and so he says, be ye perfect. Now, this is something that gets touched on. Paul touched on it several times. Um, in, the, in the second Corinthian letter, I'm going to use this instance uh, where he says, in the 11th verse of the 13th chapter and he says finally brethren farewell and he says be perfect now again uh, the idea or the connotation of being perfect uh, I would say that if you asked any of us are you perfect that would almost always say no but but the idea of the image that's being expressed here isn't that of uh, of ultimate perfection which is where our minds usually go he says but be perfect of good comfort, be of one mind. Right? He's talking about fellowship and living with your fellow men. And then he says this. He says, And live in peace, and God and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Uh, and so he's saying here, he's saying, uh, be perfect. In other words, the way you deal with everybody, you better deal with them the way God does. Uh, and if you do that, then the God of love and peace will be with you. And, and so this is something that we uh, need to keep our thoughts and our minds on. He touched on this furthermore. Uh, in uh, in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. Um, he says this in the 19th verse. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. And, and there's a reason I included this verse. It's going to tie back into our lesson, uh, our lesson text today. Uh, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. Because that's why God sends rain down on the just and the unjust, isn't it? That the earth might yield her fruit and that they might be fed. If he thirst, give him drink. Again, that's the rain that does that, isn't it? If he thirst, give him drink. Now Paul goes on to say this. That in being in, 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 in entertaining those who who you consider your enemies, right, or those who have wronged you, in entertaining them and extending them courtesy uh, and, and being nice to them, he says this: For in so doing, thou shalt re shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, why is that? 
you're not you're not heaping coals of fire on his head, are you? No, you're giving him something to eat when he's hungry. You're giving him something to drink when he's thirsty. So how is it that you're piling coals of fire upon his head? Maybe it's because he'll come to a a different realization or rationalization that you're not his enemy, right? And maybe he'll get under conviction because of the things he's done against you, and he may become an he may become an ally. Uh, and then he continues on, and he says that this way: He says, "Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good." That's how you win, isn't it? You don't win uh, by um, uh, by appealing to our uh, most base. Uh, depraved form of nature, and, and and that's what that's the what the perfectness that or the perfectness uh, I believe that Jesus is uh, t- teaching about here. Um, that's what he's teaching him: be perfect as God is perfect in heaven. Um, don't don't withhold the providence uh, of God uh, as uh, as God doesn't withhold it from you. Don't withhold providence from somebody else. If they need it, uh, give it to them. And take care of them. If they need money, lend it to them. And not at usury. Don't expect a, a big amount of money to come back to, to profit you from it. Uh, give it to them. I say just give it to them. Uh, don't just uh, don't just give don't just lend it to them. Just give it to them if they need it. And uh, uh, I know there are certain things in the world today that kind of kind of touch on that. But there's a reason that I, I titled my message this morning from this section of scripture. Lord, how long? Because the question was asked, wasn't it, of Jesus? How many times should I forgive my brother? (laughs) Until seven times seven? Jesus responded to him, didn't he? He said, no, not until seven times seven, until 70 times seven. Which is 490 years. In other words, you're going to always do that, aren't you? 490 years, that's the amount of time that it was, if we go back and study in the Old Testament, from, uh, from, from one great movement, uh, from, the, from the establishment of the kingdom, of bringing out of Egypt to the going in to Babylon was 490 years. Seventy times seven. If we don't do that, that's what we have to look forward to, isn't it? But I said that the title was Lord How Long. And I'd like to go back over here into the the 84th division of the Psalms. And I'd like to to take a, a verse of scripture from the 84th division of the Psalms. Sorry, 82nd division. Second second verse from the 82nd division of the Psalms. This is an exhortation of God to rouse up to judgment. Now, in a lot of those instances, right, that we just described, we would probably examine those and say, We've suffered some form of injustice, wouldn't we? And that's why the example is given where someone takes you to sue. He sues you at law. 
uh, and, he, and he takes away your coat. Uh, and, it, and the Bible says, don't just give him your coat, give him your cloak also. But how long do we do that? And that's a question, isn't it? That how much do we have to take, Lord? How long do we have to take it? If you're going to be a child of God, how long and how and, and how much do you take? In the 82nd division of the Psalms, it says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty; He judgeth among the gods. Now, I want to stop right there and just to explain this real quick because Jesus got Jesus got uh, accused of uh, this very thing as well in the sixth verse of this it says I have said ye are gods and are all the children of the most high and so Jesus used that very verse of scripture when it says is it not written where it says that ye are gods but listen to this, the question that they ask. They say, how long will you judge unjustly? They're asking God, how long, Lord, are you going to judge uh, in a manner that's not according to your nature or your will? How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? You know, one of the hardest things in life, isn't it, is to see people uh, who... Uh, live a, a life uh, that is not a godly life, prosper, isn't it? It, 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 it drives us, uh, it, it's one of those things that causes us to look at it and it causes you to question things, doesn't it? And they're questioning God here. And they're saying, God, how long is it going to be uh, that you're going to continue to judge unjustly? Uh, they view it as something that a uh, slight that's God is, that, that has happened to them. Uh, and, uh, and it says, and accept the persons of the wicked. Well, we know God's not an acceptor of, or not an acceptor of, doesn't ex- accept person. Uh, and if we do that, we sin. Uh, and, uh, and so they're making a distinguishment here. Uh, and they, uh, and at the end of that question, it says, say la. In other words, stop and think about it here. How long is God uh, going to do that? How long are we going to have to tolerate uh, the wicked? Well, there's another psalm, the 94th psalm, that goes in, the, in quite the, the same way. Only in the 94th psalm it says, O Lord, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, Show thyself, lift up thyself, and judge the earth. Render a reward to the proud. In other words, he's saying, recompense the prideful, Lord. And then they ask the question again, Lord, how long? How long shall the wicked? How long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and the murderer of the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Uh, Understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools... When will ye be wise? He that planted the ear shall he not hear. 
He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chasteneth the heart, uh, the heathen, shall he not correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. And, and I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? They, they, the, the, the psalmist here, uh, he just, uh, he, he is just, uh, beside himself. He's beside himself the, at the prosperity of the wicked. And, uh, and, and, you know, you gotta ask that question, how long do we have to ask how long? Jesus said until 70 times 7, didn't he? I want you to know something. It'll be throughout the duration of your life. If you're going to live as a child of God, you're going to witness these things, aren't you? And I don't think, personally, they should trouble you the, the way that they should because we shouldn't long for the filthy lucre. Uh, we shouldn't long for those things. Uh, but it's the, uh, it's the justice part of it that we struggle with, isn't it? Because when somebody does wrong, you, you expect justice to be done, don't you? In he, in John, John gives us a vision in the, in the revelation of Jesus Christ in the sixth chapter. He gives us a vision after the fifth seal's been opened in the, uh, in the sixth chapter, in the ninth verse, in the tenth verse. It says, and when he had opened the fifth seal, being Jesus, because he's the only one worthy to open the seal, he said, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? You see, even in heaven, the slain saints of God there under the altar are still crying out, How long? How long? But we have to remember, don't we? And we have to, uh, we have to take this lesson and, and we have to appeal to a higher nature and, and a higher calling and, and ask the Lord, uh, to explain this to us. And I believe He does. I believe He sp- explains it to us in 1 Peter. I believe it explains it to us. Uh, in, uh, we're gonna look here, uh, in the 18th through the 20th verse, and I believe Peter lays it out, uh, as to why it is, uh, that we sit and we watch these things, uh, and, uh, and, and sometimes we may feel as if justice isn't being done, uh, and, uh, and that we're waiting for that to happen, uh, but, uh, but, we just have to continue to long for it, don't we? How long? In First Peter, in the third chapter, uh, in the 18th verse, it says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. And we need to stop and remember, uh, who did he suffer uh, for sins for? 
Uh, it was for everybody, right? For every person that would be born in the earth, that was living in the earth in the day of, uh, he suffered and died that they may live. That they might, that their sin debt, uh, that they had accumulated through their life, right? The unjust things that they'd done, that they would be forgiven. Uh, and so we need to remember that. That Christ has once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. That's the correct way that we need to view it. The suffering uh, that we may feel like we're undergoing, uh, we just need to endure it, don't we? Uh, we just need to, uh, to live with it and to be satisfied with it and not uh, be uh, 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 have a, a mind or a heart of, uh, of vengeance, uh, but what we should do uh, and not one of recompense. I, I want to say this. Uh, the mind is a funny thing, isn't it? And I really believe that when we feel like we've been wronged, that when we exact revenge and we feel like we really got it, I believe that gives you a big shot of dopamine, doesn't it? And in the moment, it feels good. But oftentimes, after you get some space between it, it turns out that it wasn't as good as you thought it felt at the time. And Jesus says that we're not supposed to do that. That we're supposed to deny ourselves. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But he suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. That he might... And that makes sense, doesn't it? The just for the unjust. If your enemy uh, hungers, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him to drink. Uh, and uh, and so uh, that might, that he might bring us to God. We got to remember that's the whole focus here. That those who are not the children of God, uh, that they might be brought unto God and. They're going to have to have some coals heaped upon their head, aren't they? I remember when that happened to me. I had a lot of coals heaped on my head. They needed to sear away a lot. Uh, they needed to sear away all the old. They needed to burn it up, consume it. But he says that he might bring us to God. We're still in the 18th verse of uh, of First Peter chapter three. And being put to death in the flesh, but he was quickened by the Spirit. Now, we're going to continue on. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Uh, in prison. Which sometimes were disobedient. Which sometimes were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. And that is that is the thing. And you say, how can we be perfect? How can we be perfect like God? How can we bestow providence when providence we don't feel like is deserved? We have to take upon ourselves the long-suffering nature of God. And that means that when, you de when you're defrauded, you suffer. And the better way to say that is you permit yourself to be defrauded. That goes against our nature, doesn't it? 
to be a Christian, to be perfect like our Father, as toward our fellow man, it means we can't appeal to our basis nature, and we must appeal to the nature of our Father, which is in heaven. And so here he says that the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. So now Peter's pulling the antediluvian world in, and the 120 years while, while Noah was in the process of building the ark of God that would deliver the eight souls that would be saved from the flood um, uh, by the ark that God had commanded to be built, uh, there it is, 120 years, Noah is preaching righteousness to a lost world while he's building the ark. They didn't listen. But you know what? Noah wasn't held guilty for not preaching righteousness to them, was he? Noah was not. But instead, over that course of time, God endured all of that, didn't he? God permitted them to do all that. Why? Why? Because God in his long-suffering nature, is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. And that is that there's only one begotten Son of God, and that is Jesus Christ, who was born in the world to taste death for every man. Well, that's how we can be perfect in this world, is to point the world to Jesus Christ. If we'll do that in a better and a more perfect way, uh, and, and, and when those hard things come, uh, if we just allow them to happen, that's called patience. I used to think patience was waiting, right? I, I used to think patience was just, you know, sitting back and being patient. That's tarrying, right? Patience, real patience, is to be long-suffering. And that means to allow things to happen to you. You don't have to like it. <laughs> but you allow those things to happen. That's being patient. That's being long-suffering. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I want to close with this verse of Scripture out of the ninth chapter of uh, the book of Luke. Luke chapter 9. And it has to do with uh, conditions of discipleship. And this is Luke's account of Jesus asking the question, But whom say ye that I am? to Peter. Peter answering said, The Christ of God. Now we know Matthew says that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in Matthew, Jesus is recorded as saying, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven hath revealed this unto thee. And Luke says, And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. You don't tell anybody that I'm the Son of God. The Son of Man must suffer. He must suffer many things. You know what? Jesus suffered every one of those things 
and he never lifted a hand, did he? Maybe the one time in the temple when you can say that he actually used righteous indignation and flipped over the tables of the money changers because he said, It is written that my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of merchandise, which means they basically turned the temple into Walmart, and they were just buying and selling. And uh, and near he, Luke says that in the 22nd verse, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, they being his disciples, the twelve, If any man come after me, Let him deny himself. When we get wronged, we really have a feeling down inside of us to want to make it right, don't we? To seek revenge. That's normal, isn't it? There's a mistake we make when we read about the prophets of old. We oftentimes think of them as men who were not men like we are, or not people like we are. But they were men of like passions, the Bible teaches us. He says here, he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. I like this version of this piece of scripture. It's also in Matthew. It's also in Luke. Where he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. But I love that Luke added the word daily. Because we have to do it every morning, don't we? When we get out of the bed, we have to pick up that cross and carry it. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the rest go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. He says this, For whosoever shall lose his life, shall save his life, shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall save it. I believe that is paramount to understanding how we become perfect toward our fellow man. And what I would really like to say in that is lacking, really lacking nothing in regards to how we deal with them. Whether they write it, whether they whether we are in agreement or whether we are in disagreement, we need to we need to carry ourselves and conduct ourselves the way God expects. If you're here today and you're lost, Jesus Christ died that you might be saved. We're going to have a song. If, if, the, if you feel the Lord dealing with you, the Holy Spirit of God dealing with you, we would certainly encourage every one of you to come and seek Him while He may be found. While those of us that are saved remember that there's a duty that we have to be a Christian, and that is to deny ourselves.
Brother Williams, if you've got a song that's ready. Number 33. 